Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. Good morning, everybody. What a beautiful day. Looks like we're going to have a great weekend, although we're getting the monsoon rains coming in. Um, what that means, we get a flow out of uh, the ocean that makes its way up here this time of the year and hits with our combines with our weather, and we get these evening showers and sometimes some pretty heavy ones. So you got to kind of plan around that a little bit, that there's for most of the next few days there's going to be a chance of a rain or a thunderstorm in every afternoon or evening. But overall, the weather's going to be good. It's going to be a little warm. It's going to cool down a little bit towards the end of the week, although I won't be here. I'm leaving to go fishing in Minnesota, so I'll be on assignment, so don't feel sorry for me. I'm going up there so I can do research for all you listeners. we got a lot to cover today. We're going to talk some fishing. We're going to talk some hunting. We're going to talk about an opportunity to help veterans reassimilate with their families when they get back. So we got a lot on our plate today. Let's go to the phones. And joining us from uh, GSO Fishing and Blue Mesa Reservoir, Andy Cochran. Good morning, Andy. Hey, good morning, Terry. How are you today? You know, I'm doing great. It looked like a great day. I imagine you got some decent weather out there. It's been a very hot, dry July. We are ready for some monsoon moisture around here for sure. Uh, but yeah, as you stated before, we're it's going to be beautiful this weekend, especially during the day. So get out and enjoy it. Yeah, now Blue Mesa has gone through some ups and downs and trials and tribulations over the last few years, especially with the the whole uh, Colorado water system, Colorado River water system, Lake Powell, Lake Mead. And, of course, Blue Mesa feeds into that system. But it's recovered really nice with this wet snow in winter we had, didn't it? Yeah, we've been we've been bummed for a couple of years seeing our lakes so low, but man, what a difference one winter can make up here. We uh, the BOR actually had to do a, a second emergency release of water back in late June because they were afraid the lake was going to overfill. So, with that said, the lake is full. They're holding it at eight feet below full pool, and. The forecast right now as we head into ice season is the lake will be drawn down to 25 feet low, which is is like the historical, you know, normal operating level. So we are completely back to normal as far as water conditions here, and we are glad to have it. When, and when, when Blue Mesa is full, well, even when it isn't, it's either the first or second largest surface areas. Uh, reservoir in the state, by far the largest water reservoir capacity in the state, but it becomes a very, very large body of water, doesn't it? Yeah, it's just under 30 miles long now when it's full, and uh, water depth's almost 350 feet deep down in the section near the dam, so there's there's a lot of water in this pond, and there's a lot of places for fish to hide, so, you know, we're always up here we like to give reports and we do weekly reports on our Facebook page and stuff too. Cause when, you know, when folks want to come visit blue Mesa for the first time, it can be a fairly daunting fishery as as big as it is. So we're here to help you kind of break it down. Yeah. Well, you know, and, and when a lake 
is expanded, the fish move around. So even if you've been there over the last few years when the water was low, the fish are more concentrated. They get spread out, and even some of the the anglers that know a lake will sometimes take time to locate the fish because they get relocated and spread out. So how is the fishing going there? Let's start with, uh, well, the, the browns and rainbows are really usually good this time of year. Yeah, this lake always fishes really well for trout year-round. Um, summertime patterns are in full swing now where, you know, our base water temps now have finally hit nearly 70 degrees, so that's pretty well pushed most of the trout offshore into the open water areas of the lake. So trolling is by far the primary weapon to get them caught. Um, you know, the rainbows still like to lurk near the surface. There's a lot of chrominids and other small lake bugs that are hatching throughout the morning all summer long. So there's always going to be some trout lurking near the surface. But for the most part, we're starting to see, you know, our trout, kind of utilizing that 40 to 60 foot depth range out here now so trolling with downriggers is pretty much going to be the the main tool that we utilize but you can still catch a lot of fish if you fish you know the shoulder parts of the day early morning late evening when the water's at its coolest you'll you'll see a few more fish up shallow feeding so either be prepared to fish deeper or be prepared to get up and do the sunrise bite. That's going to be your best chance there. But as far as that goes, the fishing has been very, very good for both species there. What what kind of lures do you typically use when you're trolling for the browns and rainbows? We actually use kokanee salmon gear for the most part. Um, we always target kokanee when we're trolling Blue Mesa, and that system works really, really well for trout as well. So if we simply use a dodger spoon, like anywhere from a three to a five inch dodger spoon, uh, and then a trailing lure behind, either like a squid body lure or just a basic spinner, real fluorescent colors, you know, pinks, purples, chartreuses, oranges, really similar to how we target our salmon, but we've found over the years that that system works equally well for trout. How is there any size to the trout? What kind of uh are the browns bigger than rainbows or is which way does it go? Uh we're starting to see and we, we kind of touched on this as we went through last year's reports going into winter. We're starting to see a huge resurgence in our rainbow population here and really starting to see some size on them. Uh it's not uncommon to go out you know, daily on Blue Mesa now and, and expect to catch several rainbows in that 18 to 22-inch range, which as bulky and healthy as they are now, too, these fish are, you know, pushing three, three and a half pounds, uh, which Blue Mesa's never been known for a giant trout fishery as far as rainbows and browns, but the rainbow thing has really been a highlight the last several years. They're big, they're healthy, they're getting bigger, they're caught lake-wide. So I would say on average now, the rainbows are probably outpacing the browns as far as overall consistent size. You know, another fish, you mentioned you're using salmon-type gear that you normally would use for kokanee, but the salmon have been a little uh, evasive this year, haven't they? Yeah, the kokanee salmon, you know, historically is kind of a cyclical fishery anyways but with this drought and then the onslaught of our gill lice thing that brought in here several years ago it's kind of definitely put a 
a damper on the numbers overall out here, and then you combine that with a very full lake where they're a little more spread out than normal. Uh, it's been tough, to say the least. It's definitely what we call a grind. We're still catching a few every day, but it's not fast limits like you're used to on Blue Mesa. But with that said, we're still catching a few every day, and the, the ones we're catching seem to be doing better as far as the gill lice thing goes. The full lake's really the best medicine for that whole system. So as long as we can keep a full lake for the next couple of years, this should get a big upswing in that cycle of salmon life. Um, right now, uh, targeting these fish are like 50 to 70 feet deep. So that's kind of where we're catching them, which is pretty typical as we hit late July, early August. And then that the last part of that that we'll really look forward to when we get here into August is uh, when these fish really start to stage up and kind of do their, their pre-spawn staging before they're going to start running up the Gunnison River in September. So we will we'll have a little better idea of the overall population of our big salmon, you know, here in the next couple of weeks as they start to move through the lake and stage up in schools. So we got a lot to look forward to with these fish, though. Now, the rock star of Blue Mesa, of course, are the the huge the huge um, lake trout, the Mackinac's, uh, fish up to fifty pounds or more of Kamada Blue Mesa. How what is that doing? I would think the big fish are probably going deep with the warm water, but are you still getting small lake trout? You're correct. Yeah, these water temps being as high as they are, those those real big fish. They just can't tolerate being in very warm water for very long. So the bite windows are very, very short. And they're going to spend, you know, the big majority of the day in, in depths of water that we're not comfortable fishing for them in just because it's so hard to, to reel a big old fish like that up from any kind of depth past much past 100 feet. It's hard on their swim bladder. It's hard for them to re-regulate their body as they're released back into warm water and they got to gain depth again. So we kind of leave the big trophy ones alone until the lake really starts to cool back down in the fall. But we can target pups all summer long, and we've had really great success fishing for those this summer too on, you know, kind of targeting deeper offshore structure, you know, point ends, humps, or deep flats, like in that 70 to 100-foot range. And we're we're targeting them trolling just because we like to cover a lot of water and do a lot of multi-species catching in a day. But the way these pup lake trout are set up in the summer, it can be a, a really fun day jigging for them as well, just dropping tube jigs down. Um, that's pretty deep, jigging 70 to 100 feet. But, you know, with the right equipment, a guy can go out and really catch a lot of pups this time of year too, jigging for them. You know, one of the things I found on some of these deep jigging bites and stuff that has just made it so much so much of a difference, and that's spot lock on a trolling motor. Yeah, way, way too deep to tro- throw an anchor overboard, at least be f- efficient. So, yeah, electronics, all of it has come so far that it just, there's so many great tools out there now for an angler to utilize that can just make your day so much more successful. Spot lock, structure scan, sonar, 3D you know, forward-facing sonar. There's so many things now that, you know, you, they're still wild animals and you still got to catch them, but there's a lot of tools, you know, that we really pay attention to that help our job out a lot as a fisherman. When you say pup lake trout, tell people what size you're looking for. 
Sure. So that's, um, you know, it can be anywhere from, you know, two and three year old fish that are like 15, 16 inches all the way up to, you know, about a 30 inch lake trout's kind of still considered a pup, which those are still getting pretty big, you know, six, eight pounds. Um, and it's done this fishery a lot of good when they were doing the, you know, the pup removal incentive programs they did several years ago. They've got this population of lake trout back to a point where now our bigger fish are getting bigger again. And I do think that it's still really important that us as anglers do our part by harvesting as many of these pups as we can just to kind of keep the predator situation under control here. That's going to help all of our trout and salmon populations continue to grow, but it's also going to help our big lake trout be able to maintain their body condition and grow to the next potential world record of 73 pounds that we saw this spring. I think, you know, keeping these fish populations under control is a big part of that. So, Oh, it really is. And you're talking, you know, if you're keeping these 18, 17, 20-inch fish, that's the best eating of the lake trout anyway. Yeah, the table fare there is so good. Um, on the grill, on the smoker, we like to make ceviche out of those lake trout. They're real mild fish. They're so good to eat. So, yeah, if you're coming to harvest fish for a fish fry or a family dinner, there's, you know, outside of kokanee salmon, which we all want to eat grilled salmon, but the lake trout, in my opinion, in this lake is probably the next best option for, you know, those cold water fish as far as table fare. You know, speaking of table fare, though, uh, a fish that has kind of, well, it wasn't introduced properly into the lake, but it has taken off, and it's providing a lot of sport fish angling, and they are really tasty, and that's the yellow perch. Yeah, you want to talk about table fare, then we have our yellow perch. I mean, it doesn't get much better than that. Very close cousin to a walleye, you know, white flaky meat, fish tacos, beer battered, fried up perch fillets are so good and that really man that's such a highlight on this lake it's a a relatively new fishery to us you know we're not used to having yellow perch in a lake like blue mesa but now that we do we've gotten anglers have gotten so much better at targeting them up here and the state really wants us to keep that population under control too so um, we invite everybody to come up here and fish for yellow perch and um, and we'll I, talk about that a little too. I mean, they man, these fish had an incredible spawn this year. So they, you know, the lake's been so low for so long that there's been a lot of shoreline cover that's grown up the last couple of years. And now that all of that stuff is flooded up, it has just created this perch heaven out there. You know, three, four-foot-tall weeds that these perch can get in. They spawn really well in there. There's perch fry all over the place. So they're, the average size now is a lot bigger than what we've seen the last few years. Um, you know, most anglers are really not having a hard time at all catching keepers now. You don't have to sort through near as many to find the, the like, 10- to 12-inch perch that you want to keep to eat. And then even bigger... And really, from what we've seen the last couple of years, I am not going to be surprised at all one bit when the next state record perch is caught out of this lake. We've definitely seen some some ones that have scared that mark already, um, 16 and a half, 16 and three quarter inch perch that are tipping the scales right around two pounds. So 
that fishery is really, really on the rise here. We are out of time, my friend. If people want more information, how do they get a hold of you? Yeah, you can find us on all the social platforms at gsofishing.com or at gsofishing, and then our website, gsofishing.com. Yeah, feel free to reach out at any time. We're, we're like say, we're here to help. This is a big lake. If you're coming down and want to go fishing, reach out to us on there, and we'll we'll get you pointed on the right track. All right, my friend, we'll talk again soon. Thanks, Andy. All right, thank you. Andy Cochran from GSO Fishing. We're going to take a time out. When we come back, we're going to change things up. We're going to talk about an organization that is really doing some great work to help veterans. All that and more coming up on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on ESPN. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Normally we broadcast on 104.3 The Fan. Um, But because of training camp updates, we're broadcasting from our sister station ESPN today and next week. Uh, Usually, though, if you like what you hear on this program, join us uh, most Saturday mornings from 9 to 11 on 104.3 The Fan. If we do get moved over here or we have a change in schedule, you can find us on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook, and we'll keep you up to date on what's going on, where you can find us. And we podcast everything. You'll find links to our podcast there, too. Let's go to the phone. And uh, joining us, you know, I used to be a regular contributor till he wandered off into the sunset somewhere, Will Dykstra. Good morning, Will. Good morning, Terry. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. First of all, you know, you used to be with Tightline Outdoors. Everybody remembers that. And you used to actually come in studio and do the show once in a while in addition to contributing. Before I know you got a great thing going on. We're going to talk about it. But kind of give us a little overview of what you're doing with your life now. Well, you know, is uh, for for being kind of in the in the forefront of Colorado fishing for you know the better part of ten years with Nate and and again getting to be on the show with you a bunch, Terry, and and doing the sports shows and everything. Uh, one of my customers, uh, one of the Tightline customers, actually had um, booked a handful of trips. We have a lot of out of state, a, a lot of out of state uh, clientele, and, and he was he'd come in every year to do a fishing trip and. And uh, after spending some time on the boat, he, he pulled me aside and said, hey, I know you love guiding fishermen full-time. I know it is your passion, but I feel like you'd be a great fit for what we're trying to do in our organization, which is um, at the time they were running just a land conservation organization and they just started up a, uh, a veteran nonprofit. And he said, hey, why don't you come work for me and uh, let's, get, let's make a difference in some veterans' lives and get them with their family members back in the outdoors. And it won't just be fishing. It'll be, it'll be fishing and hunting. And, uh, you know, a little bit of, of thought put into it and trying to decide what was going to be best for me with the family and also the opportunity to give back. I think it was a, uh, I don't want to call it a no brainer because it was a hard decision to make to step away from, from, from tight line and, and, and that business, because I, as everybody knows, it's been any time on the water with me. I, love guiding fishermen that is the ultimate dream job but but this this opportunity to still do that but now have a chance to give back and show these folks that are our nation's heroes uh you know give them an opportunity to to use the outdoors and nature to heal is a a pretty cool experience to say the least yeah no you and i talked earlier and you kind of described it to me and you can fill this in if i'm not getting a complete picture here but a lot of the veterans you serve 
are returning veterans and they're sometimes is an issue assimilating back into their families because they've been gone on in combat or out, out somewhere and life is so different that using fishing and hunting in the outdoors to really their family goes with them and allows them to reconnect is that kind of the program that that's exactly what the program is terry you know what there are so many awesome organizations out there that offer some great programs for um you know a lot of combat veterans a lot of people that are still in the service a lot of people that um you know even even some first responder type stuff but but we we're looking at a way to improve on that and to offer some more things that maybe some other folks weren't doing. And the thing, the piece that we saw that was missing was incorporating family with doing these awesome trips where we're able to give back to these guys and turning it into something, guys and gals, turning it into something where they're, uh, they're able to come out, do, do it with their family, whether it's fishing, whether it's hunting, we do a lot of ATV riding, boating, um, all things outdoors, but to give these folks an opportunity to, to not just be away from their family again to go have fun, but now they get to bring their family with them, learn how to do it. A lot of times we're able to outfit them with all the gear they need so they can keep doing it. And, uh, you know, it's not really, it's not unlike what the guide business was like. You know, our, our goal or my goal was always to teach people how to catch fish consistently so they didn't have to go with me to do it. And, and this veteran uh, nonprofit organization that, I, that I've been a part of, that's been our goal, too, is to teach these folks how to do it, reintroduce them to the outdoors. And, and sometimes it's almost like reintroducing them to their family members, depending on, on the, uh, the way that they might come back from being deployed. So getting an opportunity to get them with their family back in the outdoors so they learn how to use nature as a bonding experience to continue to do that. Has, has basically been the uh, the heart and soul of what we're trying to accomplish at this organization that I work for. That's called it's called the Barn Group. So, and and are, is there any charge to the veterans, or is this all supplied free? This is all fully funded. Um, you know, through our fundraisers that we do, which is a big reason that that I'm on today. Uh, but this is fully funded. The veterans they don't pay a cent other than the gas usually to get to to the lake or you know, wherever we're at, we try to pick veterans that are close by to wherever the events that we are that we're doing. Um, I've been doing a ton of events in the Southeast U.S., and we are really trying to grow. Obviously, with the, the military base that we have here in Colorado, there is there's a lot of opportunity for us to, to, to make a difference here as well, not just other parts of, of the country. And obviously, with me being here and my familiarity with Colorado waters and, and both fishing and hunting um it's an opportunity for us to really help a lot of these folks so tell me you have an event coming up it's uh august uh 17th i believe yeah and it's it's gonna it's gonna be to raise money it sounds like a fun event if i wasn't going to be in minnesota fishing i'd probably attend but tell people about it well yeah you know first of all you know terry for those of you guys that know terry's musical um, endeavors these days. I could because of this trip. I couldn't get Terry to be my musical talent at this at this event. So we have a. Uh, but on August 17th, we have um, Sadie Bass, who is an up and coming country music star. She appeared on The Voice. Um, she she's the the daughter of a veteran. And uh, so what we have is the Highland Ranch Mansion on August 17th. The hours are from 4 to 9 p.m. It's we're calling it our, our Red, White, and Blue Cocktails and Country Music and. Basically, we're getting our country music and cocktails, and we're 
raising money so that we can get veterans and their family members out on these hunts and out on these fishing trips, um, again, to make a difference in their lives. So it's August 17th. It's at the Highlands Ranch Mansion. We have a 100-person cap on this event. Um, it's, it's a, the whole idea is to have a nice kind of intimate private country music show as well as an opportunity uh, to – we'll have some silent auction items. I think we're going to have a couple guns that we're going to be auctioning off. Um, but it's an opportunity for us to raise the money so that we can, we can continue to do these programs. There will be heavy hors d'oeuvres. There will be, um, you know, it'll be, it'll be an open bar. You can find your, you can purchase tickets for this at thebarngroup.org slash red, white, and blue. Um, or you can just go to the barngroup.org uh, website and, and see everything that we do. We do a lot of land management stuff, but for me personally, what I spend my time doing is trying to figure out ways to give back to our veterans and their families. And this, these fundraisers are exactly how we're able to come up with the money to be able to continue to do that. So love to have you guys out there. It's a hundred percent tax deductible uh, event and be a great time. Hang out with a lot of fun people. You'll probably get a chance to meet Sadie Bass um, as well as enjoy just some good camaraderie. Now I have a post on my Facebook page right now, Terry Wickstrom outdoors that, features the flyer, which tells the time and a little bit about the event. During the next couple of days, I will post again, I'll post this interview, and I'll include in that post a link to, the, uh, to where you can buy tickets or make reservations and things. What is the cost? So the cost is, so it's $100 per ticket if you're buying an individual ticket. And again, that ticket gets you in the door for a private country music show as well as uh, pays for your drinks as well as your food um, if you purchase it as a couple there's a discount so it'll end up being 180 dollars for two people and then if you purchase a full table which is eight seats um, it's 700 dollars. so and the more tickets you purchase you know if you get a group of people that want to come yeah i highly recommend buying a table um, that way you get a little better price on it and again all this money um, it's tax deductible as well as it's it's an opportunity to uh, all all the proceeds from this event will be going into our fund that allows us to do these events with veterans. We've got some elk hunts that we're we're hoping to be able to do this year, and obviously more fishing trips and, and spending some time out in nature with these heroes. So, so I have I'm going to switch gears on you now, Will. With all your travels, have you gotten to get out fishing around here at all? You know what? I've uh, I've spent I've spent a fair bit of time fishing some of our local lakes to uh, to to fill the freezer with some walleye. Um, you know, and, and I have not. I'll tell you what, Terry. For everybody that that has spent time with me on the water, or even had a chance to uh, to see the stuff that I was doing with Tightline, I have not had an opportunity to chase these big predators in Colorado like I have in years past. But but I also say with with three boys and. Uh, and all the activities that they got going on with a fourth boy on the way, it's uh, it's been really hard to get as much time on the water as we'd like. Now, we did just get back from our our uh, pilgrimage to the to the Midwest and into Canada again for our musky and pike trips there, but um, I haven't spent near enough time on our Colorado waters. And I am uh, it, just listening to Andy before before this made me really want to go up to Blue Mesa and start catching some perch. Yeah. Oh, aren't they good to eat? Oh, I oh. tell you what. So if you could go fishing anywhere within Colorado in the next couple of days, and where would you go? 
You know, this is uh, – I've, I've always said this. You've had me on this time of year a lot over the years. And this is the time of year that those big pike and South Park really start firing on top water, uh, starting to get cooler nights. Uh, surface temps get up during the day. But as soon as that, that water – as soon as that sun starts to set or is when it's coming up, it's a great time to catch the biggest pike of the entire year and the coolest way to catch them, which is on top water. So I'd be – I personally would be at Spinney – carry all 11 miles throwing top water throwing spinner baits that that is if i could drop what i'm doing right this second i'd be i'd be in the truck on the way up to south park to uh to chase some big colorado gators well we don't want you to drop what you're doing though because it's really important and it's really a great effort and we applaud you for it and give them the website one more time so if you go to the barngroup.org so that's b a r n g r o u p dot org um you'll see all of the stuff that we have going on and there and there should be a banner on the front page of the website that's um that, that'll direct you right to our events and our nonprofit or, or our veteran nonprofit program it's the veteran outreach program and if you click on that link there will be a drop down menu on tickets to purchase uh, and if you're not able to make it and you want to want to donate to the cause there's also just a donate button that you got to push it's super simple um, to sign up just to donate and, and throw um, some funds at, at an organization that's we're really trying to make a difference for these folks. And, and there's no question, Terry, um, that the outdoors is one of the biggest healers for, for a lot of these folks that come back from being deployed. And, and this gives us an opportunity to put the, to set them up for success to be able to do that. All right. Well, thank you for all you're doing, Will, and we will talk to you again soon. Thanks for having me on, Terry. I really appreciate it. You bet. We'll, we'll Dykstra now with the Barn Group. Um, we're going to take a time out, but go to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook. Look at the flyer, and then I will post this with that website, too. If this is something that I'd attended, it just sounds like fun, and what a great cause. We'll take a time out. When we come back, we're going to change things up. We're going to take you up in the high country where the fishing is just fantastic right now. All that more coming up on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 1600 ESPN. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, broadcasting today on 1600 ESPN. You normally find us 9 to 11 every Saturday morning on 104.3 The Fan. We've got some training camp stuff going on over there, so we move over here, and uh, we're glad to do it. We have our sister station, ESPN, to pick up the programming when we do that. Let's go to the phones, and joining us, he's a past contributor. He hasn't been on for a while. I think he's been too busy just goofing off. Steve Schwe- author and fly fisherman Steve Schweitzer. Good morning, Steve. Hey, good morning, Terry. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. You haven't been on for a while. I think, of course, you spent the last few days up in the mountains. So, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, when you when you retire, it, your life gets busier somehow. I don't know how that happens, but it does. I know. You know, I, I went through a similar phenomenon. I still do the radio show, and of course, you're still guiding, and you're an author. So we we never totally retire. We do things. But I had some other business interests in my life a few years ago. I retired from those. I turned to Karen the other day. I said. How did we do that other stuff? We don't have any time now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's a mystery. <laughs> yeah, it really is. But you're our go-to guy about the high country, both just getting up there and hiking, but especially fly fishing it. Uh, you have some books. We'll get into the books later. But 
The high country got off to a little late start because we had so much snow. But you and I talked earlier, and you said it's catching up pretty quick. Yeah, we're almost back to normal levels that we would expect this time of year in terms of uh, water flows in the creeks and streams and rivers coming out of the high country. Um, not a lot of snow left up in the high country. Um, you know, like I, like you said, I was uh, in the back country uh, better part of this week, and we got rained on a few times. So there's still still a lot of moisture being thrown into the rivers. They're clear. The fish are hungry, and it's a great time to go up and do a day hike with uh, a fly rod and the family. Oh, it just and it's uh, a couple of the places you go to. You, I know you go to Indian Peaks, but you also go to Indian Peak, but you also go to Rocky Mountain National Park, which is one of my favorite. I fished throughout the park quite a bit myself. Um, one thing we should warn people, and this is true across the state, is with this added moisture, you're going to run into a few more mosquitoes, so be prepared for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the mosquitoes were bad this week, and uh, uh, you can put on the, the chemicals that you prefer, Picaridin or DEET, uh, you, but I don't like to have chemicals around my fly lines and flies and whatnot, so... I just wore a bug net, and it worked just fine. Yeah, I have a, a bug net that I used to take when we'd go up in the Arctic Circle and fish. Um, you, you talk about bugs and flies. Yeah. <laughs> you couldn't leave the cabin to go. There was a, a out outlying shower building. You couldn't walk that 50 feet up there. That You know, we complain about mosquitoes. I never complain that much anymore after spending a few a few weeks up there. <laughs> oh, yeah, those would carry away up there. Now let's talk about the uh, the fishing and hiking, and uh, you've got some books out. Uh, you've got one on Rocky Mountain National Park. You've got Indian Peaks. If you were going to head out to fly fish or hike uh, this high country right now, any particular area you'd go to or you'd avoid? Well, uh, a couple things to consider. Um, uh, if you go to Indian Peaks Wilderness Area, which is uh, kind of the uh, west uh, side of, of Boulder is kind of a, a way to get into the area. There are no roads, by the way, that go through Indian Peaks Wilderness Area. There are only roads that go up to uh, like a, a trailhead, and then you have to walk in from there. Unlike in Rocky Mountain National Park, you've got Trail Ridge Road that goes through the park and gives you a little more access on both sides and in the middle uh, for, for day hikes. But here's the thing. In Rocky Mountain National Park, they now have the timed entry system. So from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. every day, you have to uh, go out to recreation.gov in advance and uh, get your timed entry permit, which costs like $2. And that's in addition to a parks pass. All right. So um, that just kind of regulates the traffic flow. You know, there's over 4 million people that visit the park uh, every year now. So it's a lot more traffic. Uh, but in Indian Peaks, you don't have that issue. Um, but I do recommend that no matter if you go into Rocky Mountain or if you go into Indian Peaks, you get there early to get a parking spot at the trailheads or at the local parking uh, facilities um, in you know, where, wherever you want to fish. It, it gets packed pretty quick. And I'm talking like 6.30, 7 a.m.-ish. So if you're going to these places, if you're not used to the high country, and I want to get into how you fish it and what kind of fishing there is in a little bit, but... If you're thinking, hey, I'd like to go pack in and, and stay overnight like you just did for a few days, you don't probably want to start there. You probably want to do a couple day trips first. Yeah, yeah, it's particularly if you're uh, not uh, accustomed to or seasoned to any 
backcountry overnight uh, camping and whatnot, or you may not even have the gear uh, because you don't want to be carrying uh, heavy tents and heavy sleeping bags that you might use for elk hunting or something in the fall. Um, it, instead of, um, you know, doing a night or two overnight, just do a couple day trips uh, into the park. And basically any trail that follows a stream or goes to a lake, you're going to have some great fishing. And you don't have to hike far. I call it the magic two-mile circle. If you if you hike in two miles, you kind of get past the crowds, the, the day hikers, which uh, hike about two miles, which is about one hour of, of you know just foot walking on a trail, um, and then you'll have a, a stream section to yourself pretty much all day. Now, are there any? Is there any particular gear or things that I, if I'm used to maybe going to the park, but I don't really hike in a couple miles? Uh, do you recommend some particular types of footwear? Do you do you need any particular gear? What about water? Yeah, yeah. So. Basically, what you would throw in a day pack to go fly fishing for an afternoon, you know, up in the high country is uh, definitely a bottle of water and a water filter. You don't need to carry in all of your water. That's just too heavy, a, a little over eight pounds a gallon. So uh, just to carry a water filter in a bottle so you can have fresh water at all times. A rain jacket, because it typically does rain or has some sort of precipitation every day in the high country. And we're talking about 9,000 feet and above. Um, and if the weather is calling for mostly cloudy day, you might want to add just a thermal layer too, because they can get chilly. And when I talk about chilly, I'm talking in the 50s. Um, it got in the mid 40s, uh, and we were at about 10,000 feet this past week. Um, so it was unseasonably warm uh, for sleeping uh, on the ground with a sleeping bag. Um, so, but don't always expect that warm of a temperature. So a thermal layer is good. A couple snacks keep yourself and your family and your kiddos happy. Um, and then of course, you know, fly fishing gear, um, a, a nine foot four weight, a seven foot three weight. I mean, anywhere from three to four weight for the streams is, is particularly fine. If you're going to fish a lake, you might want to choose a five weight so you can bust the wind a little more and get out there. Um, but in terms of flies, uh, man, oh man, those fish are coming up to the surface right now. You got to remember they only have ice-free conditions, you know, four or five months out of the year. So anytime they they see a bug, whether it's under the surface or floating on top, they're going to take advantage of it because their feeding time is now, you know, gets thin eaten um, here in the winter. So I, and, oh, I and, love to, yeah. Go no, ahead. go ahead. I was going to say the flies then. Um, you can just put out the standard uh, size 16 parachute, uh, parachute atoms, um, size 18 parachute atoms, uh, size 14 elk hair caddis, um, any hopper pattern that you like to fish. In fact, a common rig is a hopper dropper where you can put a hopper pattern um, and a little bigger this time of year because the hoppers are tend to tend to be larger now. Um, and... Uh, behind it, you put a dropper. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean a nymph, but you can. Uh, we used small uh, pheasant tail nymphs to some great success this past week. But we also put a dry fly ant behind the hopper, about 18 inches, 20 inches uh, from the hopper itself, on small tippet, like 5X. And uh, we were we just had equal success with that rig as well. So, they're hungry, and they they love a well-presented dry fly right now. 
Oh, and that's what I was going to say. Terrestrials are my favorite up there, if I can use them. Real quick, we've still got a couple minutes left. I want to talk about your books. Tell people you have three books out. Tell people about them. Yeah, one the first book that came out uh, well over 10 years ago, probably 12 years ago now, was The Fly Fishing Guide to Rocky Mountain National Park. And then I um, uh, continued uh, the book series with The Fly Fishing Guide to Indian Peaks Wilderness Area. Uh, both of those can be found on Amazon.com. That's the primary way to do it. Or if you're up in the Estes area, the fly shop's up in Estes. I also carry it. Um, and then the third one was a uh, fly fishing or a, you know, a designing poppers, sliders, and divers, which, by the way, will be great for those pike <laughs> that we just heard about uh, down in the, the Middle Park um, or South Park uh, lakes. Well, I'll tell you, I want to put in my two cents worth on the first two guidebooks. Folks, if you want to, even if you don't want to fish, if you just want to hike these two wilderness areas, this is a tremendous, it's a table, it's a soft cover book, but it's really a tabletop book. The photography, Steve, is just amazing in it. The information on trails and streams and flies and just all the things that you can uh, do in the park and the place to, places to fish and the ways to fish both the park and and Indian Peak, it's just, uh, they're phenomenal. I have both of them. They're phenomenal books. And if people are interested, I really recommend them. Well, thank you. Yes. Yeah, they're just as much as a hiking guide as is a fishing guide. Now, the other thing I want to talk about real quick, and when you're going into a venture like this, this isn't like driving down to the park in town and just getting out for a day and the kids are on the playground. It's probably, if you're not used to doing this, a good idea to book your first trip with a guide, whether it's a day trip or overnight. One thing, the guide can get you into the park if you're going there. Um, The other thing is, though, there's so many nuances in this type of an outing that if you haven't done it before that are hard to pick up until you do it. And I know you do um, book guides through Kirk's Fly Shop up in Estes, but what's your feeling? Should people really, maybe if they can, try to do a guide trip first? Well, yeah, particularly if you're getting into it the first time, uh, just like any grown-up hobby, you can sink a lot of money into gear and equipment and, you know, the, the, the time and effort to get up there and then find out that you've probably purchased the wrong thing. Um, I, I hire guides still to this day if I travel around the world and, and go fishing for saltwater or whatever because what they what they're doing is they're teaching you how those fish behave and how they feed. And they teach you what techniques and what lures or flies to use. And it shortens that learning curve so much. It's, you know, it's well worth the investment. Um, and so if, if someone's interested uh, uh, to uh, have me take them out, contact Kirk's Fly Shop up in Estes Park, Colorado. And um, if I'm available, I'd love to take you and your family out for an afternoon. Well, and not only just learning the fishing, but even if you're hiking, you're an experienced high country hiker. There's little nuances as far as clothing, water. You talked about some of it. But there's little things that people poo-poo or don't pick up until you're out there. And having a guide who's experienced with you can really not only make it a more pleasant trip, but sometimes prevent something bad from happening. Yeah, you know, one of the other benefits for taking a, a guide up in the backcountry for a day or an overnight 
is the guy usually carries all the lunches and the waters and everything. So uh, I'll be your Sherpa and your fly fishing guide for the same day. <laughs> all right. We're going to let you go, Steve, but great to talk to you again. We need to get together and uh, just have some dinner and spend some time. Yeah, that sounds great, Terry. Appreciate you having me on. All right. Thank you. And the books again, Fly Fisher's Guide to Rocky Mountain National Park and Indian Peak Wilderness, and then the designing of the Hopper. What was the third one? I get the title uh, wrong. Designing Poppers, Sliders, and Divers, and they're all on Amazon. All right. Just look for Steve Schweitzer. Thank you, Steve. Thanks, Terry. Take care. Uh, all right. We'll take a quick time out. When we come back, we will um, we'll wrap up the first hour of Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, presented by Jack's Outdoor Gear on 1600 ESPN. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, presented by Jack's Outdoor Gear. Jack's has locations up and down the Front Range, and even in Cheyenne. If you're headed up there for Cheyenne Frontier Days, check out the Jack's store. I'll tell you what, if you're an outdoor enthusiast, if you want to get into any of the things we've talked about in that last segment in the high country, um, they can take care of you. They can set you up. They can fix you up with whatever you need. One thing we didn't talk about that I was going to spend more time with Steve, but we needed to get to a break. And that's lightning. You know, lightning can be extremely, extremely dangerous in Colorado's uh, high country, especially if you're above the tree line. So if you're up hiking or you're fishing or you're camping, uh, if you if lightning or a thunderstorm comes, move down, get down to some kind of a sheltered area if you can. Try not to expose yourself. Uh, there's just no defense against lightning. It's uh, it's it can be kind of scary. Uh, we have a lot of lightning strikes here in Colorado. And it's one thing you really want to be aware of. Lightning and hypothermia are the two main things that will uh, that you got to really understand and be prepared for when you're up there. Now, um, a few things I want to do some updates from Colorado Parks and Wildlife. And one is the remaining big game limited licenses go on sale uh, August 1st. So August 1st is right around the corner here. It's just um, early next week. I think it's uh, Tuesday. Um, we need, if you're looking for that that leftover license that you didn't draw, this is your chance to buy it. And I believe the, um, the over-the-counter big game licenses go on sale then too. So this is your chance to really put your, your plan in place and know where you're going to hunt. So go to the website, look for the remaining licenses or leftover license sale and uh, get involved and do it online. It's so much quicker. I think you can start at 9 o'clock, but you might want to check that with them and make sure you get in there. Uh, standing in line at stores just isn't good for this situation. Do it online, get online, get ready, and maybe you can still pick up that unit you were trying to draw. Another thing that's going on, we've seen a, a lot of algae blooms on some lakes around the state, especially up in the northeast now. We're seeing a, a number of those are getting algae blooms, and you have to be a little cautious. Most of the time they're not harmful, but there are some that can be toxic. So be a little careful, and they they do take away from your pleasure, even if they're not toxic. And one of the reasons we're seeing the algae blooms, you would think low stagnant water would uh, lead to them, and it does. But when we get the amount of runoff and the amount of rain we've had this year, a lot of nutrients are getting washed in that don't normally get washed in when we don't have as much rain as we had earlier this year. And though even though the lakes are high and they've had decent flows in them, 
the amount of nutrients that ran into those lace gets kind of activated or helps activate that algae. And then we've had this uh, hot weather, these 90, 100-degree days for a couple weeks, really can trigger that. So be aware of that. Uh, Check before you go to a lake, especially out in the northeast right now. Just go on the website or the Facebook page. They'll give you an update. They'll tell you what's going on. And just check before you go and make sure you don't drive out there and then find kind of a disappointing day or get in a place where um, where you might get yourself in trouble. The last uh, update from Colorado Parks and Wildlife is Colorado Day is 8-7. That's the 7th of August. And that is uh, free entry into all Colorado state parks that day. So if you want to check out a park, you've been thinking about buying a parks pass or you're thinking on your auto registration, you want to get that parks pass feature on that, uh, go check out a park or two. They'll be free on the seventh, and uh, see see if you're gonna something you really might enjoy. We'll take a quick time out. When we come back, Nate Zolinski will join us. He's at a tremendous event for disadvantaged kids right now. He's gonna tell us about that, and then we're gonna get into big game hunting on Terry Wicks from Outdoors on 1600 ESPN. 